trip somewhere no one ever wants to go? <laughs> yeah, we uh, family took a vacation out to Costa Rica. We uh, had a wonderful time, got to experience the the cloud forest, the rainforest, and then some of the beach. So got to see the, uh, the, the country through the eyes of my eight-year-old daughter who went zip lining, horseback riding, rock climbing. We saw cool. some animals that she had never, I'd never seen before. So it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Great time to disconnect and uh, recharge. That, that seems to be the place. I mean, so yeah, yeah. Every, it seems a lot of people are going there. We did, um, I think last year we did, we try to pick a place every year to do like three or four weeks to work and vacation from. And last year, I think we had done Costa Rica and Jerry came out to visit us for a weekend uh, for long the weekend. weekend. For a long weekend, yeah, and it was so fun. We had two, we had these two connected homes, rainforest behind us, and then like we were maybe a block from the ocean in the front. But we had little private pools nice. and stuff. But we loved, loved the area. It was yeah. uh, gorgeous, beautiful place. It really I, is. I'm the- happy with the small plane going through the <laughs> rainforest, and then and then suddenly looked at, looking like it was going to crash into a rainforest, but then suddenly a small strip you know, opened up, you know, right by the beach. And I'm going, really? You're going to land on that? <laughs> yeah. If, if I had to be a critic of a, of a gorgeous, beautiful place, I would say the infrastructure definitely has uh, some things uh, that, that need some progression. The, the roads were, we actually, when we went from our first resort, which was in uh, Monteverde, which was way up in, you know, again, Cloud Forest, but we had to drive to the second resort, um, which was on, as the crow flies, 15 miles. But we had to drive around a lake, around a volcano. It took us three and a half hours to get to get 15 miles, but it was worth it. It was so worth There's it. There's no lights on the road at night. I know, I None. know. Lot, animals, lots of animals too. People tape uh, or, or, or strap an iPhone or a mobile phone with the flashlight on, on the front of those motorcycles at night. It's crazy yeah. town. It is, it is. Oh man, have you been? Have you been to Costa Rica, Peter? Uh, no, I haven't. But it um, sounds amazing. You're dying to go now, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> Daredevil <laughs> motorcycles, and yeah. If it were a longer podcast, we would talk about the flat tire we got oh, wow. back oh. from Saint Teresa. I mean, what an adventure! What an adventure! Yeah, yeah. The uh, the insurance on the, the the rental car is is worth every single penny. So yep. yeah. <laughs> A hundred, yeah, a hundred percent. And well, my favorite, and we'll jump in here in a second. My favorite is the power goes out almost every night where we were at, like almost like clockwork. Uh, you know, it's almost like they're just kind of resetting, <laughs> which is not <laughs> terribly different. Yeah, it's not terribly different where I live in Texas. So, you know, not- good point. Good point. <laughs> All right. Were you guys ready to get started? Yep. Ready. Right, let's, let's jump in. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Everybody, welcome to another recruiting community podcast. I am your host, Super, and I'm going to bring in my co-host, Duper. Uh, and we are here to, to just chat a little bit about what's going on in the space. So we do these uh, every week. 
They are a labor of love. There's no paid advertisements on these. Uh, and we bring in folks that we think have something kind of cool to say and that we think you could appreciate uh, or learn a little bit from. I'm excited about it. Today is no exception, so I'm excited about it. If you were listening, by the way, uh, on the LinkedIn or the Twitter or the whatever that thing's called nowadays, uh, or where are we all? The, the Facebook and the YouTube, like any of those. If you see a chat window, uh, drop a note in there. Say hello to our guest today or add a question. If you are not watching with us live, as sometimes these we do a pre-record or we do come back to them afterwards, we'll make sure that we go back when we get the alert and answer any of the questions that you've, you've, you've put in there for us. Uh, but Jerry, how are you on this beautiful day? Wonderful, wonderful. And um, yeah, that you were talking about X, I'm thinking all, all of these social media should have just a letter. X, Y, Z, you know, that kind of thing. I kind of wish X, it was just Y, because now I'm like, why do I even go look at it? Why should yeah, I even check it out? Like, why, why is he doing all of the things? That's a whole nother show, I feel like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. When a man child has $46 billion to throw away, this is this is what happens. That's what happens <laughs> with the platform. But there's a jobs component to it. One of our yep. members is adamant that there might be some possibilities there. I love the debate. We'll have to keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But that's not why we're here today, Jerry. We're, no, here, today. No, no. we're here today to talk about community up uh, and some folks that are part of our community. You want to kind of give a you want to give a quick overview of what community up actually is before we jump sure. in with these guys? You know, I mean, the, the short uh, version of all of that is that we, we were concerned, as were a lot of people, about um, folks in transition in our space. And so we looked at different ways that we could be helpful. And we know that, you know, part of the peer-to-peer -peer platform is building relationships. And we think for talent acquisition leaders um, out there, this is a, a good platform where they can um, stay current uh, engage their peers and colleagues, uh, and and potentially potentially infer from them that there might be some growth in various companies, and they already have a built-in referral uh, if, in fact, they do that. So, so there's some possibilities. So we basically have offered a free membership uh, to uh, talent acquisition leaders um, at Career Crossroads, and so we've got a, an interesting crew. Of characters that uh, that are you know showing up, participating, and engaging our regular members. Many of them are former members. Yeah, there are, and some that we had some that we had not met before. So what it strikes me as kind of interesting is that of the over two hundred people now, I think that we had interviewed for the membership, uh, only about forty uh, were going to be a good fit for the community. Only about forty really had that mindset of leaning in paying it forward, bettering the industry, like people that had the, not, not that others weren't great leaders, but people that kind of had that, that factor of community for us that we think makes them great leaders. Yeah. So, and, so, and we did, and we continue to spend some time with those who uh, aren't in members to talk about strategy in a variety of other ways. Yeah, and it's true. And I, and I will just say, and for those who, who aren't watching, who, who are listening to the audio on this on your treadmill or wherever, it's cxr.work slash up uh, is where you can get a little more information about that program. But this was um, this was kind of a fun thing for us because I feel like if we've been talking about community for 27, 28 years now, and the community at large right, it is in trouble, if we don't do something or lean in or try to help, I mean, we're just full of shit. I mean, it means we, we, we don't actually care. Like, it's not tagline for us. Like, this is a real thing. These are real people. These are our own families. So I think that's an important call out. Okay, so enough of us uh, and, and sort of setting the stage for that. We got two guys here. We've known both of them for quite a while. 
Uh, and I'm big fans of both of these guys. Let's bring them in. Uh, we'll pop in Michael. There he is. And there is Peter. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing great. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Because now we've got the Brady Bunch grid going. Uh, what I thought would be helpful is if each of you get just a second to kind of give a, a escalator pitch about who you are, where you've been, uh, that sort of thing. We'll talk at the end sort of about what you're looking to do next and that progress. But give us give us kind of the escalator pitch of, of who you are and okay, why should we be listening to you today? So, Michael, we'll start with you because you're kind of top left. So, so All right. All right. So I've been uh, been trying to figure this out. How do I get 24 years worth of TA experience into a, a quick pitch? And I think I've failed miserably uh, most of the time I've done this. So I'll just say that, um, yeah, I'm a career-long TA uh, leader and uh, love the aspect of, of coaching, developing, building, fixing. And, you know, my passion is I, I really feel like recruiting is such a noble job. I mean, we help people. Um, we help our clients. We help our business stakeholders. We help our candidates. Um, there's a really cool aspect of, of what we do and it just, it fuels me. And so uh, the reason I'm here today though, is uh, I was part of the, uh, me and 11,999 of my uh, peers at Google uh, were impacted by the layoffs. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a very, very interesting, I'll call it a, a learning experience and uh, really happy to share some, some of that with you guys today. Good stuff. I love that. Thank you, sir. And uh, so, Peter, that's a, it's going to be a tough act to follow. Peter, <laughs> introduce yourself. Can you escalator pitch yourself for everybody? Yeah. So, um, hi, everyone. My name is Peter Diaz. Uh, my journey in talent acquisition began about 25 years ago uh, with hands-on roles at uh, CDI Corporation and Volt Services Group, um, getting a strong recruiting foundation in technical recruiting. And then I moved on over to uh, Pitney Bowes, fulfilling a 16-year chapter there, where I had the privilege of leading recruiting and coordinator teams, um, integrating technology and process improvements that uh, made a difference in the hiring process. Um, beyond that, I'm a certified Luma Design Thinking Practitioner, which, which means I, I try to approach challenges with a human-centered mindset, uh, always seeking innovative solutions that prioritize needs and experiences. So um, I'm really passionate about creating meaningful candidate experiences and always eager to learn and adapt. So um, that's what I'm here today for. All right, great. Uh, well, I love it. And as I mentioned before, I love both you guys. We've known you guys for years. But so so I want to jump in. I want to talk about landscape. I want to talk about maybe a little bit of personal growth. Um, you don't have any of these uh, these questions beforehand. So I think that's important. It's important to call out. Right. But so, Peter, and we will start with you. And it is an open conversation. Uh, we'll just do our best not to step on each other while we're talking for the audio. But Peter, can can you share maybe some observations about how the talent landscape, the TA landscape, has sort of evolved during your job search? So you, you've oh, been on, yeah, you've been in transition for a little while. Are there trends or challenges you've kind of ID'd that are sort of shaping in the industry, and maybe any that caught you by surprise? Yeah. So um, as I said, I'm really big on candidate experience and positive candidate experience. And what I've what I've noticed is even though we have uh, all of these tools and and capabilities these days, the candidate experience seems to be just lacking ever so slightly um, in some ways in that the candidates are not being, uh, I don't feel like the candidates are, that me? No. Okay. Uh, so navigating the job market, I often feel the anticipation that comes after hitting the submit button on a job application. Unfortunately, 
weeks, sometimes months go by, and then out of the blue, a message appears saying uh, the role has been either been filled or canceled or, or a thank you uh, for applying. Uh, and that seems to be in line with what I'm hearing from other folks in the in the uh, the job market. Now, I completely empathize with our talent acquisition teams. Things are uh, the sheer volume of what they have to do can be overwhelming. But I, I really think that with the right tools and processes and technology in place, and especially what we have at our disposal today, we can bridge this communication gap. It, it doesn't always have to be a personalized message. It could even be an automated um, acknowledgement or a simple update in the ATS that updates the candidate on their progress uh, can make a world of difference. Uh, I noticed. I'm sorry. Did you have a question, Chris? No, no. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So I've noticed that that many of the um, the positions are so entwined on the up on the other side, entwined with AI, that I feel that the uh, I'm getting the idea that that some of the the, the pre-screen questions that, that they have built in that may be filtering out some really good experience are in there. For instance, talent acquisition uh, folks needing uh, a degree. It, um, I don't know if that's necessarily um, required or should be necessarily You know, required. I have to tell you, Peter, and I'll bet Jerry's got a similar story. I just heard from a guy in his, I'd say, late 40s. He's been a TA leader and practitioner for 30 plus years, right? He's been at runoff 30 plus, but probably 25 years he's been doing this in the space. He's got a pretty good track record. He's been, his whole career has been TA uh, and the last half of it leading people. And he got a call from a recruiter who said, I think there's a miss somewhere in your application. We'd really like to get you up for an interview, but do you not have a degree? And he goes, no, no, I don't have a degree. And they said, ah, this requires a degree. Thank, thanks, but no thanks. Exactly. And, and on top of that, and that's how I'm feeling and seeing that too. I don't have a degree. Um, I do have some college, uh, but I have 25 years experience in the industry. And uh, I, I, I have a sense that my, my application, so the, the pre-screen questions are most of the time, the degree is the very first question that's there. Like that's the one that they want to know right away. And then many times after that, they want to know your GPA. Um, so there's there's one company that requires a 3.0 GPA no matter how many years of experience you have. And and I'm sitting there going, you have to be kidding me. How do you defend that shit? <laughs> wow. So so you ask about personal growth. Um, uh, what I'm well, doing. not yet. We're gonna we're gonna come. I want to come back to personal growth. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> So, Michael, what, what about you from a yeah. current landscape thing? Is yeah, you know, um, you I'll, I'll piggyback off of some of the things that Peter said. I mean, I, I actually I concur with with a lot. Um, you know, I kind of look at it from from two different pillars here. And let me also start off by saying, you know, the, the market is it's tough right now for for all of us within the recruiting industry. And I really feel for both sides. I feel for the people that have been displaced and have I, I say it, and I'm going to say it a million times, victims of circumstance, 95, 98% of those that have been impacted are victims of circumstance. Um, and then I also, um, you know, look at the other side of it, which is, um, you know, the technology side. So the people side and the technology side are the two things that I'm looking at right now that I'm kind of diagnosing. And so, you know, from the people side, I completely agree with Peter that the the the, the communication and the lack thereof has been um, has been troublesome to to see quick text messages or you know 
leveraging AI to, you know, have a template on, you know, a quick update every Friday or whatever. It's so simple and easy to do. Um, and for some reason, there's just not enough of, of the communication loop happening right now. And, um, you know, again, I'll talk on the other side of my mouth. I know there are recruiters and sourcers and coordinators out there that are exhausted and um, their, their teams have been depleted and they're doing the best they can juggling as much as they can. Um, but that leads me to the other side of the table, which is the technology side. Um, if you're going to right size, downsize your organization and, and start to invest in, in more technology and AI, then, then do that and actually have the technology that enables the recruiter and the sourcer to do their jobs more effectively and easier. Um, I, I think I made a post a, a while back. Um, it said something like, I wonder how many executives and, um, and, and HR leaders have actually done an internal audit and tried to apply for a job at their own company and seen just how challenging it can be. I, you know, before I actually go on interviews, that's the first thing I do is, is I go on and, you know, I check the, the process for the application to the company that I'm interviewing for. And then I go on to some of their competitors and I do the same thing and I compare and you'd be surprised of the gaps and the blind spots that are out there. And, um, you know, Peter alluded to some of them. I've had some where, um, you know, they just, uh, it takes 14, 15 minutes for a simple application when I could go over to your competitor and, and hit submit and it goes, you know, straight in as an application. And, you know, the reason that's so important right now is we've never been at a time where there's been more talented people that are on the bench that are applying. And, you know, it's so important to realize that the online application is just as important as the going out and finding the passive candidate at this stage that we're at in the industry. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, a lot of lessons learned. Um, looking forward to, to, to diving in and sharing some uh, some some growth. Of, of I'll, add, well. I'll, add some, I'll add something to that. And then I want Jerry yeah. to chime because I know he's dying. He's dying. I'm telling you right now, his face has changed color. He's like, you know, he's ready to talk. Candidate experience, not a new issue, but, and Michael, I will just add to your statement. I don't think there's ever been a time when we've had this many senior leaders that are in transition and looking like we we've gone through some stuff in the last 30 years or so, right. When we've seen it from an industry, but I don't think I've seen this many leaders in transition ever in, in my career, at least. So Jerry, candidate experience, not new. Are these guys seeing something new or are they just kind of on the other side of it now? And it, it feels tenfold. It's, it is tenfold. Um, <clears throat> I think there are tens of thousands of companies that are probably doing a reasonable job in terms of getting back to you and communicating, but there are many hundreds of thousands of our peers and colleagues who fundamentally either are poorly resourced um, or, or just have not been elevated from a training point of view as to what's, what should be a responsible way to operate in the 21st century. So, yeah, it's going to be on, uh, you know, the only good advantage of all of those oh. leaders being out of work is that when they get back to work, hopefully they're going to, going to make a few freaking changes. I will say that I'm, uh, you know, I've been heavily engaged in talking to people who are out of work for, a hundred years. Um, but the, but the reality is right now I'm talking I, yesterday for, I spent an hour with one of my cousins who's 
got like 20 years experience as a sales leader. And she, and she gets up to bat literally two or three times a week. So she's, they're after her, right? You know, because she's got the skills and she's got the data to support it. And yet she, she says, she sits down, she says the first thing, this one company I'm really interested in, you know, what I like is that they put their entire recruiting process, my journey on their, on the website. She says, the bad news is that I have to go through 12 interviews <laughs> in sequence and I'm only at number six after three weeks. <laughs> seems a bit excessive. 12 interviews seems a little, going, a little excessive. And I'm going, well, you know, and she says, and this last one was terrible. I said, the probability that you're going to you're going to deal with somebody who's interviewing you. And by the way, this was for three hours. Somebody interviewed her who was awful as an interviewer. Um, I said, do you think they're all really trained up to do this kind of stuff? It, you, you're responsible, actually, to manage that interview of all those people that are untrained. And that's that's putting a hell of a lot on you. So anyhow, it's I, I find where we are a tough issue. I think there's been movement over 30 years, but it's been this much of a movement. And I think we all should be um focused on the next 40 or 50 years i plan to you know at the end of the next 50 i i plan to be very happy that we've made made some change i, I have a theory i have a theory nobody asked but i'm going to share it i feel like when when the market is uh good we get lazy on something this is i'm talking about we as a as a recruiting industry as a family we get lazy right we start focusing on the stuff that's on fire if it's on fire that's where we run over and, and pay attention right and when this cools off a little bit, then we don't pay so much attention to it. I think candidate experience is that way. Well, then the market turned, all these organizations overhired and then had to downsize or right size or whatever kind of sizing you want to call it. Well, now the candidate experience, that the fact that we have just kind of let it do its thing for a little while, uh, it's, it's a disaster. And we've got so many TA people who are now looking at it and experiencing it. And are throwing their hands up and saying, eight interviews? Are you kidding me? Like th that kind of stuff. I think we will see a resurgence of a focus on the candidate experience in the next year or two and start seeing some big changes because we've got leaders like Michael and leaders like Peter who, who are struggling through this at a level that they hadn't before. Because I think you guys are going through it in a way that is so much deeper. And I think it was you, Michael, that said it, but so much deeper than just go apply to your job. Like it feels a little different when there's a little yeah. bit on the line, right? And, and coming from that that aspect of the progress that oftentimes is kind of dehumanized, yeah? It's just the decision process that has to be upgraded. And the candidate experience is part of the candidate's decision because it's their perception that they have a say in what's going on and that they're being treated in a fair way that allows for them to compete. And, yeah. and fundamentally, that's really wherein it, it, you know, they don't have to be happy about the experience, but a candidate should feel that someone is listening to them in a way that, that makes for yeah. a good decision for themselves, et cetera. Yeah. You know, Jerry, one of the things, too, that, that I'm kind of discovering is when when you do th this is exposing a lot of those those interview processes and the gaps with a lot of companies. 
when you have multiple candidates that are high caliber and you only have one role available, it's exposing the way that companies really vet out from a scientific and you know, just, just from a, a consistent perspective. And so I think you're, because you have such quality candidates all vying for very few roles, there are companies that are not equipped to be able to say, okay, this is our person and here's why. Instead, you've got all of these feedback points that point to, well, they're good, but they're not this person, but they're not. And, and so it's confusing to the process and it's creating just this mess. And I think a lot of it too has to do with um, a lot of good intentioned individuals trying to improve the process use, using some of those technologies that we have today. But I think we're, we have so many options in technology that we may be overusing some of them, over leveraging some, and um, not, 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 not enough of the other. Um, I say, you know, the, the pre, the, the, the pre-structured pre-screens where it can kick individuals out so that you're not reviewing those candidates. They're not always foolproof. The assessments, the, um, the, the length of time it takes to, take, to, to get through your application. There are some systems where you apply and you think you're applying, you're, you're pretty much finished. And then you realize as a TA professional, oh, I, I only, I just signed up for their CRM. Uh, so I have to continue to the to the system. Now I know that as a, as, as an, as a talent acquisition um, leader, that that is what's going on. But the, the average person going through that, I would imagine, believe they're applying for the role, but no, they're only applying for the CRM, getting into this into the talent community, so to speak. So, so we're over leveraging, I think. We're not the stack is not configured right. It's just you're not wrong. You're in the talent community. You've signed up for job alerts, right? Essentially, is what you've done. But P Peter, let me ask you: um, How has I guess the experience of searching for a new role in today's environment? How, how has it kind of shaped your maybe your own approach? Uh, or, or your own, like, I, like I mentioned, we talked a little bit about personal growth. Maybe your yeah. own personal growth as a TA leader. Are there any yes. skills yes. or perspectives you've gained? Yeah. So for me, since I don't have a degree, I am constantly when I apply, I, I do, and I know a lot of the bone of contention with a lot of folks. Do we use cover letters? Do we not use cover letters? Um, I think that they're kind of like it all depends. For me, I believe that the cover letter is very needed because then I can uh, write a letter and explain my my uh, my experience a little bit more uh, and my uh, my intention for growth and what I've done throughout my my, my career for growth. Now I, I am in a bachelor degree program and I'll graduate next year. I'm not that far off, so I will um, complete that next year. So for personal growth, I am getting my my degree so that I can say, yes, yes, ATS, I have my degree. Let the recruiter see my resume or I'm in the process of getting it. Let the recruiter see my resume. So I am doing that. And, uh, and also I am taking part in the Career Crossroads. It's a great organization uh, to keep myself, yeah, keep myself uh, up on everything because you can get a little, uh, you can get, you know, a little lazy yeah. after a while it's kind of like okay so but uh you need to keep myself in the loop so um but yeah that's what i'm doing to keep myself fresh and also well, yeah go ahead oh no i didn't mean to cut you off i was just gonna i don't know that jerry and i mentioned in the beginning but the community up membership a it's it's free there's no cost to anybody right and b it's full membership 
So the in-person meetings, the libraries, the online, it's all of it. It's the whole thing, the whole shebang. And it's good 60 days through into your new job. So the idea being, Peter, to your point, like you keep keeping your skills sharp, staying super networked, and then leverage the heck out of us when you get in there. If you're looking to do some benchmark or research or that kind of thing, it'd be nice to have uh, you know 4,000 TA folks in your pocket uh, to kind of help out. It's a good call out. Um, Michael, so for you, any any personal professional growth uh, this kind of journey's put on you? Yeah, a lot. Um, you know, I'll be a little vulnerable here. I um, I never really thought that I would be in a position to where. I was having to apply and, and I mean, I, again, this is, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but you know, I've, I've accumulated such a, a powerful network and worked with some amazing people. I've, I've always really found my next opportunity through just, it's been very organic. So this is, um, this is uncharted territory for me. And, um, you know, I have, you know, some, some growth has been just around the, the, the empathetic side of things and, and really truly understanding the energy and the time commitment that goes into researching, applying, and interviewing for roles, and just how important it is to be empathetic to the person on the other side. And you know, being on this side of the table has been eye-opening for me. It's been a, it, it truly has been a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, to really truly understand the amount of energy it takes to go in. And, and Jerry, you alluded to the the long interview process. I just got done with one loop that took literally four months and um, the, the, the stops and the starts and the, like, it's exhausting. And, and so to be able to turn it back on and to recharge your battery after you've just kind of shared everything um, about your experience and, and just put, putting it all on the table, it takes a lot. And so, you know, the, the, the empathetic side of me, I've, I've, Felt like I've always been an empathetic leader, but mm -hmm. you can't be empathetic enough at this point. And you really, truly have to do the things that make the candidate feel comfortable and know that they're going to be able to bring their best foot forward for whether it's an interview, a meet and greet, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, I've seen some things that, you know, again, have been have been troublesome. I mean, I, I shared with you, you both, um, you know, I laugh because I actually went to apply for a role that I thought was, um, you know, looked great, had a, the company had a really good mission to it. And I got a reply that said, you know, we have so many applications and I looked and they had like 2000 applications um, that we're, we'd like for you to go through this process of sharing in, in documentation form. They said, you know, whether it's a deck or, you know, whatever your strategy for, the, for, and they gave us, they gave a role of theirs. And, you know, I, I sat and thought about that for a second. And I was like, you know, to me, that was the wrong approach to a candidate, especially, you know, I, and I, I responded and I tried to be as respectful as I could. And I said, you know, I'd be happy to walk through live, you know, my experience at Google, you know, sourcing the, the, the top 5% of the best software engineers in the world or my time at, you know, Capital One and my time at CBRE and, and PayPal Venmo. And I'd be happy to discuss that live with you, but I respectfully refuse to, to hand over a strategy that you're about to get, you know, 2000 of. And I, my, my last question to them was, um, you know, is this indicative of your company's culture? If you were to use one of these strategies, 
but not hire the person that introduced you to the strategy, what does that say about your company? Or not and, compensate. Oh, not not compensate for it. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, and that's just one example. And um, it, but it's it's happening. There are many other examples that are happening that I feel like you know companies need to take a step back and understand the shoes that the candidates are in right now and the time and energy that goes into the interview process. But I'm gonna so I'm gonna play devil's advocate though. Yeah, please, so, please. So, so there are several organizations that that I could name off, just rattle them off, that for the last number of years have done that. At, at much lower levels within the organization for applicants, giving them four or five hours of homework to come back yeah. and do report outs or giving them challenge statements that are real challenge statements in their yeah. org and seeing how they'd solve that. It's, is it now, do we think it's now getting more attention where people are saying, oh, this doesn't feel good because the more senior folks are getting a hold of it and going, yeah, this, this doesn't seem right. I mean, has, has a perspective changed or is this kind of your first you know, you, the first time you're yeah. sort of touching that type of process. Yeah, no, I, I love that perspective. And, you know, the more that I thought about it, because I, you know, again, at, at the, the end of the day, um, you know, you do want to find out, you know, you want to get inside the candidate's brain and, and sure. see how they, they think and problem solve. Um, but I think the difference is, you know, if you give somebody a, a problem to solve and, and, and you do it, there's a, you have to engage with that candidate first. You have to, you have to share the value prop of your organization and and really connect with them and then their guards should come down and, and it should be a an opportunity to showcase your so abilities. Not, so not at the top of the funnel, but right. toward the end where you Absolutely. are up you are competing among three or four of the key players. And and fundamentally, it makes it makes a lot more sense. For you Absolutely, what, what I did. But I fundamentally about? feel like if you're giving somebody, this is a great topic, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I think there are there are better today, right? I'm not talking five years ago, but today there are better assessment methods. There are better ways to do this than giving a candidate hours of homework and expecting them to come back and dog and pony. Sure. I think. Yeah, but yeah. hacker rank is 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 an assessment that essentially does that. If you think, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's an investment, but you're you're stack ranking people from that perspective. But I do think the person who whose strategy, if it in fact is used, ought to be compensated for it if they're not hired. I think any of them that get turned in ought to be compensated. You're asking maybe, <laughs> maybe there's two levels of compensation. Give me a grant. I'll give you a grand for submitting, and ten grand if we use it. Every bad idea I've ever had. Has has been the fertilizer for a good idea. I mean, that's all I'm saying, right? That's all I'm saying. Okay, so, exactly. so <laughs> bring this back. So, uh, Peter. Yes. If you're looking in the camera, what what advice do you offer to other TA professionals who are who are navigating the same market today? If you can take those strategies or those insights that have kind of helped you and your and the things that you're working on, what would you tell another TA leader who who just Boom, they got their notice today and, and suddenly they're in transition as well. What, what would you tell them? Oh, uh, yes. Update your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dust it off if you've been in, in the, if you've been employed for quite a number of years as I was. And um, keep your head up. And it's hard, as, as Michael mentioned, uh, you're giving so much energy when you apply, when you interview. Just keep your head up. Keep your uh, join organizations. Um, 
uh, to keep uh, your, your network strong, uh, talk to different individuals in the industry. Um, you may want to dust off the cover letter and use that. I know that that's um, given me some, in, some ins into some of the um, organizations I've been talking with. Um, but uh, yeah, just, just keep your head up and, and just use the tools that are at your disposal. And um, yeah, that's the best I, I, that's the best advice I can give you at this point. I haven't, mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't broken the code yet. So I'll let you know as soon as I get that job, you know, what the secret sauce was uh, <laughs> fighting through this record number of um, TA leaders that are in the market right now for a role. I got it. It's a little bit of a slog. So I, th I think that's a great message. Just keep your head up because I think some people get frustrated and forget. I have a TA leader who has decided they're going to be a swim up bartender from now on and they're not coming back to the industry. So yeah, they're literally going through their bartender. I can't. Make few, I've had a few of those thoughts in my head as well. You know? I can't make it up. I love. I love it. I'm like, tell me where the pool is. I'm happy to order <laughs> of Manhattan in the pool. It'd be great. Michael, what about you? Yeah, um, I'll maybe hit on something tangible and then intangible. Um, you know, leverage. Look, the work that Career Crossroads is doing is so admirable. Um, offering this service and and just bringing our our peer group together. Leverage your network and leverage the tools that are out there. And, you know, for example, Jerry and I had a wonderful conversation the other day and he, um, he brought up the, uh, this book to me and, um, you know, when Jerry talks, I listen. And so I was like, all right, you know what? I, I it's a, it's a wonderful time for me to take a step back and, and listen to my, my peers and, 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 you know, they're going to give you some wonderful advice and, and just open yourself up to that. And then, you know, on the, the softer skill side, you know, I've always said, be your authentic self. Don't, when you're, whether it's reading a job description or if you're going on an interview or, or networking, stop trying to be what the job description says or what you think the person on the other end wants you to say or do. Be yourself and, and rely on that and, um, you know, just be true to who you are, and then you're going to find that right opportunity and it's gonna happen organically. And as tough of the, as it is in this market, there is, I, I've seen this and I've, I've been, had some wonderful conversations with some folks that are in the same boat. And some people are, they're coming across as desperate and they're not, they're, they're, they're tenured, experienced people, but they're just, they understand where they're, they're very self-aware and understand what's going on in the market. So it creates a little bit more anxiety and it can come across the wrong way. So have your inner circle that you can vent to, that you can just, just share the, you know, listen to this crap, listen to what I have to deal with. But then, you know, after that inner circle, go out and, and put your best foot forward, but make sure that it's your, your authentic self. And that's when you're going to find the right the right fit. I've I've said this uh, a couple times. I've talked with people that are like, oh, you know, I've got this new job and I don't really like it. And I said, you know, if you do a post mortem, were you your authentic self during that interview process, or did you try to tell them things that you thought they wanted to hear? And maybe they hired somebody that that was different than who you are, and so you're just in the wrong role. And so. Easier said than done, but um, you know I always true back to that, and that's that's who I try to be in every conversation I have with a, a potential employer or just somebody that I'm, I'm you know networking with is I just try to be myself. That's great. That's great. Cool. Yeah. I, I I I think it's absolutely critical that first issue is finding a support system. You, everyone needs one, and and so fundamentally that's the starting point 
Uh, it's part of your network. It's your family. It's a variety of different kinds of things, but you got to have it. The second thing is to game the system a little bit. There is, there is a need on the part of any recruiter who, in fact, has an opening for a recruiter that if they see 2,000 people have applied, but, but 10 of them came through an internal referral from a somebody inside the company, they're going to open that. They need to. They have to because they don't know who the hell it came from, if only that. And that does increase the likelihood of getting up to bat. So getting up to bat is that metric you want, obviously, more often than not. Um, and and the third the third issue is building a network. I believe that if you if you actually research the companies you would like to work for, you're asking yourself some good questions about where do I go next and why. And you got to know why you would you would do that. And then you can, you're all sourcers, so you can all identify the contact information of the head of TA for those fifteen or twenty five fifteen to twenty five companies and invent some stupid but interesting idea of, of, of what's keeping people up at night, contact all 25 and say, hey, I would like to interview you for 15 minutes to get your take on this issue. I plan to publish it. I'm going to tell you 15 of them are going to say yes. You'll be able to engage at least 15 heads of TA Put that shit together, you know, get a quote for each one, send it back to them and say, do you need a PR release or a legal release oh in order for me to make you look good? And then you're going to get that back, publish the goddamn thing, even if you have to just do a podcast with us. We'll help you. Jerry's strategy to find employment is running. Right <laughs> so, so about this. One, you're improving your brand. Two, you know, and you could get ChatGPT to write it for you. Who the hell cares? But the point is, you've got, you're going to be improving yeah. your brand. You're going to be you're going to be making friends of all these 15 guys and gals who you just made look good, and they're going to take another call with you in which you can talk a little bit more about where you want to go. Um, and if you do have a if you do get up to bat at another company. You can drop the fact that you've just been hanging out with 15 really cool people. I'm just telling you. There's two There's two, two things that come to mind. One, one, please proofread your chat GPT written book before you <laughs> for anybody who's played in that space. I, too, I too am reading the AI recruiter. There you go. But and the, then the second one is, now maybe you have some insight into maybe where CXR came from. I believe we were a series of books before we were a community. <laughs> We sold a shitload of them, those books, for sure. Uh, love it. All right, so it. look, let's let's do it this way, guys. Michael, I'll start with you. You're on the top left. We're going to give each of you just a quick minute. I want to call this out really quick before I do. Uh, we're going to give each a quick minute. Just tell us what's going on and what what what's your next perfect role. Be your authentic self. Take your, take your own advice. What's your next yeah. perfect role look like? Before I do, Michael, anybody listening, uh, and I'm going to have it on the screen, Michael's LinkedIn profile. It's linkedin.com slash in slash Michael. 411. For those of us old enough to remember what 411 is, uh, I'm not even sure if that works on a mobile. I have no idea. But so, Michael, <laughs> this camera, this camera, this camera, we know where that's a hat tip to. Uh, tell us what's going on. What would be ideally next for you? Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, did, I uh, got that URL back when 
411 was very popular and people understood what that meant. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I still have a lot to give back and, and I still want to give so much back to this, um, this industry. I, um, I stumbled into recruiting the staffing agency side back when I graduated and I uh, was so fortunate that I found my passion. I found something that um, just ignited me and, and brought out the best in me. Um, when I brought when I brought my skills over to corporate, I realized that I could bring the sense of urgency, the building relationships, the problem solving, all of that I that I learned on the staffing agency side, I could bring to corporate America and help add value and um, and and just be a an instrumental part of the the company strategy. And so, you know, I, I still have a lot to give back. I'm a like I said, I'm a coach, a developer of people. I care about people. I want to help, and so you know, I I'm just looking for a place that is mission driven, that cares and invests in people, um, and gives me an opportunity to add value and and to give back. And so, you know, one of the, the the best things about being in this industry for so long is I've seen, I've gone through the ebbs and flows, and I've seen you know the dot com and the, the the mortgage collapse, and you know I've been through some shit. And um, I've learned a ton and I want to be able to give back um, that learning. And so my next role hopefully will be one where I can just do just that and uh, work with some great people and collaborate. All right. I love it. Uh, fun, 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 random fact. My very first corporate recruiting job was hiring the operators that answered the 411. Ah. I'm, very, I'm very, very familiar with that process. So, so, all right. So Peter, uh, you're up, man. Like, what you, tell us what's got, what you got going on. What is uh, your next ideal role going to look like for you? Well, uh, I'm really passionate about process improvement. I'm really passionate about candidate experience. Um, can't top what Michael just said, but I, I really am uh, it, it really on top of that. Uh, my next role it would be in an operations, um, just uh, in an operations capacity, capacity, possibly uh, evaluating your tech stack. Uh, ensuring that you have everything configured correctly for the most optimal candidate experience, as well as being able to help your recruiters uh, manage their workload and also the hiring managers managing their um, their, um, their their resource needs. So, uh, and also a company that uh, does value a uh, work-life balance uh, for candidates and, and also um, Oh, is it just me? Nope. Uh, I thought it was me. Oh no! Oh no! We lost him. <laughs> All right, we'll give we'll give him just a second to come back. Might have had a little internet uh, issue there, but let's. I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, I've got it on the screen, although it is sitting on top of uh, it's sitting on top of Michael. But it is <laughs> LinkedIn.com slash in slash Peter Diaz. P e t e r d i a z. For those of you who are listening, Peter Diaz. Uh, I'll take that off. We'll give him just a second to come back. Uh, Jerry, anything you want to add before we wrap up? No. <laughs> we said it all. Is it too early for wine? Oh, I can't yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. It's, not, it's yeah. never too early for wine. All no, right, I, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, part of, our community is that we're all, you know, about trying to pay it forward a little bit. Uh, we've all been there. We know what we know what it's like. 
Uh, I've had my own experiences uh, looking for jobs. Uh, thank God the last 30 years I haven't had to do that. I just burn out my partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll probably retire before he does. That's that's. Good. <laughs> but but <clears throat> but it is it, this is an interesting time. I do think there's a lot of learning going on out there and i do think uh as things get better uh we're going to see some as you pointed out chris some hopefully uh bigger <laughs> bigger movement uh toward uh, toward a positive 21st century recruiting yeah i, I hope so too and i did, look there are a lot of great ta leaders out there we we know hundreds of amazing ta leaders but there are thousands out there that are looking uh if you know Take a look. Look at the skills. You know, that's that would be my big takeaway is look at the history, look at the skills. The GPA is redonkulous at a senior leadership level. Uh, so shame on you if your organization is requiring that. It's just dumb. Uh, take a look at, connect with these folks. And Michael, I think to your earlier point, it, it is a matter of asking them what's going on in their space and, and connecting with them before you say, here's a little yeah. bit of homework, show us what you got. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good stuff, gentlemen. Uh, we will keep everybody posted on both of your status. Uh, and I guess we will, I guess we're going to see you at the upcoming lecture. So we'll, we'll see you when we see you there, Michael. That'd be great. Awesome. All right. Everybody. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Have a great rest of your week. We'll, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career We'll catch you next time. So, Michael, I think you just said you just didn't you just get back from uh, a little a little bit of a trip somewhere no one ever wants to go? <laughs> yeah, we uh, family took a vacation out to Costa Rica. We uh, had a wonderful time, got to experience the the cloud forest, the rainforest, and then some of the beach. So, got to see the uh, the, the country through the eyes of my eight year old daughter who went zip lining, horseback riding, rock climbing. We saw cool. some animals that she had never, I'd never seen before. So it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Great time to disconnect and uh, recharge. That that seems to be the place. I mean, so yeah, yeah. Every it seems a lot of people are going there. We did. Um, I think last year we did. We try to pick a place every year to do like three or four weeks to work and vacation from. And last year I think we had done Costa Rica, and Jerry came out to visit us for a weekend. Uh, for the Long weekend. weekend. For a long weekend, yeah, it, and it was so fun. We had two, we had these two connected homes, rainforest behind us, and then like we were maybe a block from the ocean in the front. But we had little private pools nice. and stuff. But we loved, loved the area. It was yeah. uh, gorgeous, beautiful place. It really uh, is. I was happy with the small plane going through the <laughs> rainforest, and then and then suddenly looked at, looking like it was going to crash into a rainforest, but then suddenly a small strip you know, opened up, you know, right by the beach. And I'm going, really? You're going to land on that? <laughs> yeah. If, if I had to be a critic of a, of a gorgeous, beautiful place, I would say the infrastructure definitely has uh, some things uh, that, that needs some progression. The, the roads were, we actually, when we went from our first resort, which was in uh, Monteverde, which was way up in, you know, again, cloud forest, but we had to drive to the second resort, um, which was on as the crow flies 
15 miles, but we had to drive around the lake, around a volcano. It took us three and a half hours to get to get 15 miles, but it was worth it. It was so worth There's it. There's no lights on the road at night. I know. I None. know. Lot, animals, lots of animals too. People tape uh, or, or, or strap an iPhone or a mobile phone with the flashlight on, on the front of those motorcycles at night. It's crazy yeah. town. It is. It is. Oh man. Have you been, have you been to Costa Rica, Peter? Uh, no, I haven't, but it um, sounds amazing. You're dying to go now, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> Daredevil <laughs> motorcycles. And, yeah. If it were a longer podcast, we would talk about the flat tire we got. Oh, wow. oh. Back from St. Teresa. I mean, what an adventure. What an adventure. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the insurance on the, the, the rental car is, is worth every single penny. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> A hundred, yeah, a hundred percent. And well, my favorite, and we'll jump in here in a second. My favorite is the power goes out almost every night where we were at, like almost like clockwork. Uh, you know, it's almost like they're just kind of resetting, <laughs> which is not <laughs> terribly different. Yeah, it's not terribly different where I live in Texas. So, you know, it's not good like, point. Good point. <laughs> All right. Were you guys ready to get started? Yep. Ready. Right, let's, let's jump in. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Welcome to another recruiting community podcast. I am your host, Super, and I'm going to bring in my co-host, Duper. Uh, and we are here to, to just chat a little bit about what's going on in the space. So we do these uh, every week. They are a labor of love. There's no paid advertisements on these. Uh, and we bring in folks that we think have something kind of cool to say and that we think you could appreciate uh, or learn a little bit from. I'm excited about it. Today is no exception, so I'm excited about it. If you are listening, by the way, uh, on the LinkedIn or the Twitter or the whatever that thing's called nowadays, uh, or where are we all, the, the Facebook and the YouTube, like any of those. If you see a chat window, uh, drop a note in there, say hello to our guest today, or add a question. If you are not watching with us live, as sometimes these we do a pre-record or we do come back to them afterwards, we'll make sure that we go back when we get the alert and answer any of the questions that you've, you've, you've put in there for us. Uh, but Jerry, how are you on this beautiful day? Wonderful, wonderful. And um, yeah, that you were talking about X, I'm thinking all, all of these social media should have just a letter. X, Y, Z, you know, that kind of thing. I kind of wish X, it was just Y, because now I'm like, why do I even go look at it? Why should I even check it out? Like, why, why is he doing all of the things? That's a whole nother show, I feel like. All right, yeah, absolutely. When a man child has $46 billion to throw away, this is, this is what happens. That's what happens okay. with the platform. But there's a jobs component to it. One of our yep. members is adamant that there might be some possibilities there. I love the debate. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But that's not why we're here today, Jerry. We're, no, here, today, no, no. we're here today to talk about community up uh, and some folks that are part of our community. You want to kind of give a you want to give a quick overview of what community up actually is before we jump sure. in with these guys? You know, I mean, the, the short uh, version of all of that is that we, we were concerned, as were a lot of people, about um, folks in transition in our space. And so we looked at different ways that we could be helpful. And we know that, you know, part of the peer-to-peer -peer platform is building relationships. And we think for talent acquisition leaders, 
um, out there. This is a, a good platform where they can um, stay current, uh, engage their peers and colleagues, uh, and and potentially potentially infer from them that there might be some growth in various companies, and they already have a built-in referral uh, if, in fact, they do that. So, so there's some possibilities. So we basically have offered a free membership. Uh, to uh, talent acquisition leaders um, at Career Crossroads, and so we've got a, an interesting crew of characters <laughs> that uh, that are you know showing up, participating, and engaging our regular members. Many of them are former members. Yeah, there are, and some that we had some that we had not met before. So what it strikes me as kind of interesting is that of the over two hundred people now, I think that we had interviewed for the membership, uh, only about forty. Uh, we're going to be a good fit for the community. Only about 40 really had that mindset of leaning in, paying it forward, bettering the industry, like people that had the not not that others weren't great leaders, but people that kind of had that that factor of community for us that we think makes them great leaders. Yeah. So, and, so and we did and we continue to spend some time with those who uh, aren't in members to talk about strategy in a variety of other ways. Yeah, and it's true. And I, and I will just say, and for those who, who aren't watching, who are, who are listening to the audio on this on your treadmill or wherever, it's cxr.org slash up uh, is where you can get a little more information about that program. But this was, um, this was kind of a fun thing for us because I feel like if we've been talking about community for 27, 28 years now, and the community at large, right, is in trouble, if we don't do something or lean in or try to help, I mean, we're just full of shit. I mean, it means we, we, we're, we're, we don't actually care. It, like, it's not a tagline for us. Like, this is a real thing. These are real people. These are our real people. So I think that's an important call out. Okay, so enough of us uh, and, and sort of setting the stage for that. We got two guys here. We've known both of them for quite a while. Uh, and I'm big fans of both of these guys. Let's bring them in. Uh, we'll pop in Michael. There he is. And there is Peter. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing great. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Because now we've got the Brady Bunch grid going. Uh, what I thought would be helpful is if each of you get just a second to kind of give a, a escalator pitch about who you are, where you've been, uh, that sort of thing. We'll talk at the end sort of about what you're looking to do next and that progress. But give us give us kind of the escalator pitch of, of who you are and okay, why should we be listening to you today? So, Michael, we'll start with you because you're kind of top left. So, so All right. All right. So I've been, uh, been trying to figure this out. How do I get... 24 years worth of TA experience into a, a quick pitch. And I've, I think I've failed miserably uh, most of the time I've done this. So I'll just say that, um, yeah, I'm a career long TA uh, leader and uh, love the aspect of, of coaching, developing, building, fixing. And, you know, my passion is, I, I really feel like recruiting is such a noble job. I mean, we help people, um, we help our clients, we help our business stakeholders, we help our candidates. Um, there's a really cool aspect of, of what we do and it just, it fuels me. And so uh, the reason I'm here today though, is uh, I was part of the, uh, me and 11,999 of my uh, peers at Google uh, were impacted by the layoffs. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a very, very interesting, I'll call it a, a learning experience and uh, really happy to share some, some of that with you guys today. Good stuff. I love that. Thank you, sir. And uh, so, Peter, that's a, it's going to be a tough act to follow. Peter, <laughs> introduce yourself. Can you escalator pitch yourself for everybody? Yeah. So, um, hi, everyone. My name is Peter Diaz. Uh, my journey in talent acquisition began about 25 years ago 
with hands-on roles at uh, CDI Corporation and Volt Services Group, um, getting a strong recruiting foundation in technical recruiting. And then I moved on over to uh, Pitney Bowes, fulfilling a 16-year chapter there, where I had the privilege of leading recruiting and coordinator teams, um, integrating technology and process improvements that uh, made a difference in the hiring process. Um, beyond that, I'm a certified Luma Design Thinking Practitioner, which, which means I, I try to approach challenges with a human-centered mindset, uh, always seeking innovative solutions that prioritize needs and experiences. So um, I'm really passionate about creating meaningful candidate experiences and always eager to learn and adapt. So um, that's what I'm here today for. All right, great. Uh, well, I love it. And as I mentioned before, I love both you guys. We've known you guys for years. But so so I want to jump in. I want to talk about landscape. I want to talk about maybe a little bit of personal growth. Um, you don't have any of these uh, these questions beforehand. So I think that's important. It's important to call out. Right. But so, Peter, and we will start with you. And it is an open conversation. Uh, we'll just do our best not to step on each other while we're talking for the audio. But Peter, can, can you share maybe some observations about how the talent landscape the TA landscape has sort of evolved during your job search. So you, you've oh, been on, yeah, you've been in transition for a little while. Are there trends or challenges you've kind of ID'd that are sort of shaping in the industry and maybe any that caught you by surprise? Yeah, so um, as I said, I'm really big on candidate experience and positive candidate experience. And what I've, what I've noticed is even though we have uh, all of these tools and, and capabilities these days, the candidate experience seems to be just lacking ever so slightly um, in some ways in that the candidates are not being, uh, I don't feel like the candidates are, that me? No. Okay. Uh, so navigating the job market, I often feel the anticipation that comes after hitting the submit button on a job application. Unfortunately, weeks, sometimes months go by and then out of the blue, a message appears saying um, the role has been either been filled or canceled or, or a thank you uh, for applying. Uh, and that seems to be in line with what I'm hearing from other folks in the in the uh, the job market. Now I completely empathize with our talent acquisition teams. Things are uh, the sheer volume of what they have to do can be overwhelming. But I, I really think that with the right tools and processes and technology in place, and especially what we have at our disposal today, we can bridge this communication gap. It, it doesn't always have to be a personalized message. It could even be an automated um, acknowledgement or a simple update in the ATS that updates the candidate on their progress uh, can make a world of difference. Uh, I've noticed, I'm sorry, did you have a question, Chris? No, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I've noticed that that many of the, um, the positions are so entwined on the, up, on the other side, entwined with AI, that I feel that the, uh, I'm getting the idea that, that some of the the, the, the pre-screen questions that, that they have built in that may be filtering out some really good experience are in there. For instance, talent acquisition uh, folks needing uh, a degree. It's, um, I don't know if that's necessarily um, required or should be necessarily You know, required. I have to tell you, Peter, and I'll bet Jerry's got a similar story. I just heard from a guy in his, I'd say, late 40s. He's been a TA leader and practitioner for 30 plus years, right? He's been at Runoff 30 plus, but probably 25 years he's been doing this in the space. He's got a pretty good track record. He's been, his whole career has been TA uh, and the last half of it leading people. And he got a call from a recruiter who said, I think there's a miss somewhere in your application. We'd really like to get you up for an interview, but do you not have a degree? And he goes, no, no, I don't have a degree. And they said, ah, this requires a degree. Th thanks, but no thanks. 
Exactly. And, and on top of that, and that's how I'm feeling and seeing that too. I don't have a degree. Um, I do have some college, uh, but I have 25 years experience in the industry. And uh, I, uh, I have a sense that my, my application, so the, the pre-screen questions are most of the time, the degree is the very first question that's there. Like that's the one that they want to know right away. And then many times after that, they want to know your GPA. Um, so there's, there's one company that requires a 3.0 GPA, no matter how many years of experience <laughs> you have. And, and I'm sitting there going, you have to be kidding me. How do you defend that shit? <laughs> wow. So, so you ask about personal growth. Um, uh, what I well, not yet. We're gonna, we're gonna come. I want to come back to personal growth. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so, Michael, what, what about you from a yeah. current landscape thing? Is yeah, you know, um, you I'll, I'll piggyback off of some of the things that Peter said. I mean, I, I actually I concur with with a lot. Um, you know, I kind of look at it from from two different pillars here. And let me also start off by saying, you know, the the market is 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 tough right now for for all of us within the recruiting industry. And I really feel for both sides. I feel for the people that have been displaced and have, I, I say it, and I'm gonna say it a million times, victims of circumstance, 95, 98% of those that have been impacted are victims of circumstance. Um, and then I also, um, you know, look at the other side of it, which is, um, you know, the technology side. So the people side and the technology side are, the two things that I'm looking at right now that I'm kind of diagnosing. And so, you know, from the people side, I completely agree with Peter that the, 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 the communication and the lack thereof has been, um, has been troublesome to, to see quick text messages or, you know, leveraging AI to, you know, have a template on, you know, a quick update every Friday or whatever. It's so, simple and easy to do. Um, and for some reason, there's just not enough of, of the communication loop happening right now. And, um, you know, again, I'll talk on the other side of my mouth. I know there are recruiters and sourcers and coordinators out there that are exhausted and um, their, their teams have been depleted and they're doing the best they can, juggling as much as they can. Um, but that leads me to the other side of the table, which is the technology side. Um, if you're going to right size, downsize your organization and, and start to invest in, in more technology and AI, then, then do that and actually have the technology that enables the recruiter and the sourcer to do their jobs more effectively and easier. Um, I, I think I made a post a, a while back. Um, it said something like, I wonder how many executives and, um, and, and HR leaders have actually done an internal audit and tried to apply for a job at their own company and seen just how challenging it can be. I, you know, before I actually go on interviews, that's the first thing I do is, is I go on and, you know, I check the, the process for the application to the company that I'm interviewing for. And then I go on to some of their competitors and I do the same thing and I compare and you'd be surprised of the gaps and the blind spots that are out there. And, um, you know, Peter alluded to some of them. I've had some where, um, you know, they just, uh, it takes 14, 15 minutes for a simple application when I could go over to your competitor and, and hit submit and it goes, you know, straight in as an application. And, you know, the reason that's so important right now is we've never been in a time where there's been more talented people that are on the bench that are applying. 
And, you know, it's so important to realize that the online application is just as important as the going out and finding the passive candidate at this stage that we're at in the industry. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, a lot of lessons learned. Um, looking forward to, to, to diving in and sharing some uh, some some growth. Of, of I'll, add, well. I'll, add some, I'll add something to that. And then I want Jerry yeah. to chime because I know he's dying. He's dying. I'm telling you right now, his face has changed color. He's like, you know, he's ready to talk. Candidate experience, not a new issue. But and Michael, I will just add to your statement. I don't think there's ever been a time when we've had this many senior leaders that are in transition and looking like we, we've gone through some stuff in the last 30 years or so. Right. When we've seen it from an industry. But I don't think I've seen this many leaders in transition ever in, in my career, at least. So, Jerry, candidate experience not new. Are these guys seeing something new or are they just kind of on the other side of it now? And it, it feels tenfold. It's it is tenfold. Um, <clears throat> I think there are tens of thousands of companies that are probably doing a reasonable job in terms of getting back to you and communicating, but there are many hundreds of thousands of our peers and colleagues who fundamentally either are poorly resourced um, or or just have not been elevated from a training point of view as to what's what should be a responsible way to operate in the 21st century. So yeah, it's going to be on you know the only good advantage of all of those leaders being out of work is that when they get back to work, hopefully they're going to going to make a few freaking changes. I will say that I'm uh, you know I've been heavily engaged in talking to people who are out of work for a hundred years, um, but the but the reality is right now I'm talking I, yesterday for I spent an hour with one of my cousins who's got like 20 years experience as a sales leader and she and she gets up to bat literally two or three times a week so she's they're after her right you know because she's got the skills and she's got the data to support it and yet she she says she sits down she says the first thing this one company i'm really interested in you know, what I like is that they put their entire recruiting process, my journey, on their on the website. This is the bad news is that I have to go through 12 interviews <laughs> in sequence, and I'm only at number six after three weeks. <laughs> seems a bit excessive. 12 interviews seems a little, going, a little excessive. And I'm going, well, you know, and she says, and this last one was terrible. I said... The probability that you're gonna you're gonna deal with somebody who's interviewing you, and by the way, this was for three hours. Somebody interviewed her, who was awful as an interviewer. Um, I said, "Do you think they're all really trained up to do this kind of stuff?" It you you're responsible actually to manage that interview of all those people that are untrained, and that's that's putting a hell of a lot on you. So anyhow, it's I, I find where we are a tough issue. I think there's been movement over 30 years, but it's been this much of a movement. And I think we all should be um, focused on the next 40 or 50 years. I plan to, you know, at the end of the next 50, I, I plan to be very happy that we've made, made some change. I, I have a theory. I have a theory. Nobody asked, but I'm going to share it. I feel like 
when when the market is uh, good, we get lazy on something. This is I'm talking about we as a as a recruiting industry as a family. We get lazy, right? We start focusing on the stuff that's on fire. If it's on fire, that's where we run over and, and pay attention, right? And when this cools off a little bit, then we don't pay so much attention to it. I think candidate experience is that way. Well, then the market turned, all these organizations overhired and then had to downsize or right size or whatever kind of sizing you want to call it. Well, now the candidate experience, that the fact that we have just kind of let it do its thing for a little while, uh, it's, it's a disaster. And we've got so many TA people who are now looking at it and experiencing it and are throwing their hands up and saying, eight interviews, are you kidding me? Like th that kind of stuff. I think we will see a resurgence of a focus on the candidate experience in the next year or two and start seeing some big changes because we've got leaders like Michael and leaders like Peter who, who are struggling through this at a level that they hadn't before. Cause I think you guys are going through it in a way that is so much deeper. And I think it was you, Michael, that said it, but so much deeper than just go apply to your job. Like it feels a little different when there's a little yeah. bit on the line, right. And, and coming from that, that aspect of the progress that oftentimes is kind of dehumanized. Yeah. It's just the decision process that has to be upgraded and the candidate experience is part of the candidate's decision because it's their perception that they have a say in what's going on and that they're being treated in a fair way that allows for them to compete. And, yeah. and fundamentally, that's really wherein it, it, you know, they don't have to be happy about the experience, but a candidate should feel that someone is listening to them in a way that, that makes for yeah. a good decision for themselves, et cetera. Yeah. And you know, Jerry, one of the things too, that, that I'm kind of discovering is when, when you do, th this is exposing a lot of those, those interview processes and the gaps with a lot of companies, when you have multiple candidates that are high caliber and you only have one role available, it's exposing the way that companies really vet out from a scientific and you know just just from a, a consistent perspective. And so I think you're because you have such quality candidates all vying for very few roles. There are companies that are not equipped to be able to say, okay, this is our person, and here's why. Instead, you've got all of these feedback points that point to, well, they're good, but they're not this person, but they're not. And, and so it's confusing to the process and it's creating just this mess. And I think a lot of it too has to do with um, a lot of good intentioned individuals trying to improve the process use, using some of those technologies that we have today. But I think we're, we have so many options in technology that we may be overusing some of them, over leveraging some and um, not 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 enough of the other um if i say you know the, the pre the the, the pre-structured pre-screens where it can kick individuals out so that you're not reviewing those candidates they're not always foolproof the assessments the um the the, the length of time it takes to take to, to get through your application there are some systems where you apply and you think you're applying you're, you're pretty much finished and then you realize as a ta professional oh i I only I just signed up for their CRM, uh, so I have to continue to the to the system. Now I know that as a, as as, an, as a talent acquisition um, leader that that is what's going on. But the the average person going through that 
I would imagine believe they're applying for the role, but no, they're only applying for the CRM, getting into this into the talent community, so to speak. So, so we're over leveraging. I think we're not. The stack is not configured right. It's just you're not wrong. You're in the talent community. You've signed up for job alerts, right? Essentially, is what you've done. But P Peter, let me ask you: um, How has, I guess, the experience of searching for a new role in today's environment? How, how has it kind of shaped your maybe your own approach? Uh, or, or your own, like, I, like I mentioned, we talked a little bit about personal growth. Maybe your yeah. own personal growth as a TA leader. Are there any yes. skills yes. or perspectives you've gained? Yeah. So for me, since I don't have a degree, I am constantly when I apply, I, I do, and I know a lot of the bone of contention with a lot of folks. Do we use cover letters? Do we not use cover letters? Um, I think that they're kind of like it all depends. For me, I believe that the cover letter is very needed because then I can uh, write a letter and explain my my uh, my experience a little bit more uh, and my uh, my intention for growth and what I've done throughout my my, my career for growth. Now I, I am in a bachelor degree program and I'll graduate next year. I'm not that far off, so I will um, complete that next year. So for personal growth, I am getting my my degree so that I can say, yes, yes, ATS, I have my degree. Let the recruiter see my resume or I'm in the process of getting it. Let the recruiter see my resume. So I am doing that. And, uh, and also I am taking part in the Career Crossroads. It's a great organization uh, to keep myself, yeah, keep myself uh, up on everything because you can get a little, uh, you can get, you know, a little lazy yeah. after a while it's kind of like okay so but uh you need to keep myself in the loop so um but yeah that's what i'm doing to keep myself fresh and also well, yeah go ahead oh no i didn't mean to cut you off i was just gonna i don't know that jerry and i mentioned in the beginning but the community up membership a it's it's free there's no cost to anybody right and b it's full membership so the in-person meetings the libraries the online it's all of it it's the whole thing the whole shebang and it's good 60 days through into your new job so the idea being, Peter, to your point, like you keep keeping your skills sharp, staying super networked, and then leverage the heck out of us when you get in there. If you're looking to do some benchmark or research or that kind of thing, it'd be nice to have uh, you know 4,000 TA folks in your pocket uh, to kind of help out. It's a good call out. Um, Michael, so for you, any any personal professional growth uh, this kind of journey's put on you? Yeah, a lot. Um, you know, I'll be... I, um, I never really thought that I would be in a position to where I was having to apply. And, and I mean, I, again, this is, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but you know, I've, I've accumulated such a, a powerful network and worked with some amazing people. I've, I've always really found my next opportunity through just, it's been very organic. So this is, um, this is uncharted territory for me. And um, you know, I have, you know, some, some growth has been just around the, the, the empathetic side of things and, and really truly understanding the energy and the time commitment that goes into researching, applying and interviewing for roles and just how important it is to be empathetic to the person on the other side. And, you know, being on this side of the table has been eye-opening for me. It's been a, it, it truly has been a blessing in disguise, um, you know, to really truly understand the amount of energy it takes to go in. And, and Jerry, you alluded to the the long interview process. I just got done with one loop that took literally four months, and um, the, the the stops and the starts and the like. It's exhausting, and 
And so to be able to turn it back on and to recharge your battery after you've just kind of shared everything um, about your experience and, and just put, putting it all on the table, it takes a lot. And so, you know, the, the, the empathetic side of me, I've, I've felt like I've always been an empathetic leader, but mm-hmm. you can't be empathetic enough at this point. And you really, truly have to do the things that make the candidate feel comfortable and know that they're going to be able to bring their best foot forward for whether it's an interview, a meet and greet, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, I've seen some things that, you know, again, have been, have been troublesome. I mean, I, I shared with you, you both, um, you know, I laughed because I actually went to apply for a role that I thought was, um, you know, looked great, had a, the company had a really good mission to it. And I got a reply that said, you know, we have so many applications and I looked and they had like 2000 applications um, that we're, we'd like for you to go through this process of sharing you, in, in documentation form. They said, you know, whether it's a deck or, you know, whatever your strategy for, the, for and they gave us, they gave a role of theirs. And, you know, I, I, I sat and thought about that for a second and I was like, you know, to me, that was the wrong approach to a candidate, especially, you know, I, and I, I responded and I tried to be as respectful as I could. And I said, you know, I'd be happy to walk through live, you know, my experience at Google, you know, sourcing the, the, the top 5% of the best software engineers in the world, or my time at, you know, Capital One and my time at CVRE and, and PayPal Venmo. And I'd be happy to discuss that live with you, but I respectfully refuse to, to hand over a strategy that you're about to get, you know, 2000 of. And I, my, my last question to them was, um, you know, is this indicative of your company's culture? If you were to use one of these strategies, but not hire the person that introduced you to the strategy, what does that say about your company? Or not and, compensate. That we're not going to compensate for it. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, and that's just one example. And, um, it, but it's, it's happening. There are many other examples that are happening that I feel like, you know, companies need to take a step back and understand the shoes that the candidates are in right now and the time and energy that goes into the interview process. But I'm going to, so I'm going to play devil's advocate though. Yeah, please, so, please. So, so there are several organizations that, that I could name off, just rattle them off that for the last number of years have done that at, at much lower levels within the organization for applicants, giving them four or five hours of homework to come back yeah. and do report outs or giving them challenge statements that are real challenge statements in their yeah. org and seeing how they'd solve that. It's, is it now, do we think it's now getting more attention where people are saying, oh, this doesn't feel good because the more senior folks are getting a hold of it and going, yeah, this, this doesn't seem right. I mean, has, has a perspective changed or is this kind of your first, you know, your first time you're yeah. sort of touching that type of process? Yeah, no, I, I love that perspective. And, you know, the more that I thought about it, because I, you know, again, at, at the, the end of the day, um, you know, you do want to find out, you know, you want to get inside the candidate's brain and, and sure. see how they, they think and problem solve. Um, but I think the difference is, you know, if you give somebody a, a problem to solve and, and, and you do it, there's a, you have to engage with that candidate first. You have to, you have to share the value prop of your organization and, and really connect with them. And then, 
their guards should come down and, and it should be a, an opportunity to showcase your so abilities. Not, so not at the top of the funnel, but right. toward the end where you Absolutely. are, up there, you are competing among three or four of the key players. And, and fundamentally, it makes it makes a lot more sense for you. Absolutely. What, what I, I, did, what I fundamentally of? feel like if you're giving somebody, this is a great topic, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I think there are there are better today, right? I'm not talking five years ago, but today there are better assessment methods. There are better ways to do this than giving a candidate hours of homework and expecting them to come back and dog and pony. Sure. I think. Yeah, but yeah. hacker rank is 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 an assessment that essentially does that. If you think, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's an investment, but you're you're stack ranking people from that perspective. But I do think the person who whose strategy, if it in fact is used, ought to be compensated for it if they're not hired. I think any of them that get turned in ought to be compensated. You're asking. Maybe, maybe there's two levels of compensation. Give me a grant. I'll give you a grand for submitting, and ten grand if we use it. Every bad idea I've ever had. Has has been the fertilizer for a good idea. I mean, that's all I'm saying, right? That's all I'm saying. Okay, so, that, so <laughs> bring us back. So, uh, Peter. Yes. If you're looking in the camera, what what advice do you offer to other TA professionals who are who are navigating the same market today? If you can take those strategies or those insights that have kind of helped you and your and the things that you're working on, what would you tell another TA leader who who just Boom, they got their notice today and, and suddenly they're in transition as well. What, what would you tell them? Oh, uh, yes. Update your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> and, uh, dust it off if you've been in, in the, if you've been employed for quite a number of years as I was. And um, keep your head up. And it's hard, as, as Michael mentioned, uh, you're giving so much energy when you apply, when you interview. Keep your head up. Keep your uh, join organizations um, uh, to keep uh, your your network strong. Uh, talk to different individuals in the industry. Um, you may want to dust off the cover letter and use that. I know that that's um, given me some in, some ins into some of the um, organizations I've been talking with. Um, but uh, yeah, just just keep your head up and, and just use the tools that are at your disposal and. and um, yeah, that's the best like that's the best advice I can give you at this point. I haven't mm -hmm. I haven't I haven't broken the code yet, so I'll let you know as soon as I get that job. You know what the secret sauce was, uh, <laughs> fighting through this record number of um, TA leaders that are in the market right now for a role. I got it. It's a little bit of a slog, so I think I think that's a great message. Just keep your head up because I think some people get frustrated and forget. I have a TA leader who has decided they're going to be a swim up bartender from now on, and they're not coming back to the industry. So. Yeah, they're literally going through their bartender. I can't. Few, I've had a few of those thoughts in my head as well. You know? I can't make it up. I love. I love it. I'm like, tell me where the pool is. I'm happy to order <laughs> of Manhattan in the pool. Okay, Michael, what about you? Yeah, um, I'll maybe hit on something tangible and then intangible. Um, you know, leverage. Look, the work that Career Crossroads is doing is so admirable. Um, offering this service and and just bringing our our peer group together. Leverage your network and leverage the tools that are out there. And, you know, for example, Jerry and I had a wonderful conversation the other day and he, um, he brought up the, uh, this book to me and, um, you know, when Jerry talks, I listen. And so I was like, all right, you know what? I, I it's a, it's a wonderful time for me to take a step back and, and listen to my, my peers and, 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 you know, they're going to give you some wonderful advice and, and just open yourself up to that. 
And then, you know, on the, the softer skill side, you know, I've always said, be your authentic self. Don't, when you're, whether it's reading a job description or if you're going on an interview or, or networking, stop trying to be what the job description says or what you think the person on the other end wants you to say or do. Be yourself and, and rely on that and, um, you know, just be true to who you are and then you're going to find that right opportunity and it's going to happen organically. And as tough of the, as it is in this market, there is, I, I've seen this and I've, I've been, had some wonderful conversations with some folks that are in the same boat and some people are, they're coming across as desperate and they're not, they're, they're, they're tenured, experienced people, but they're just, they understand where they're, they're very self-aware and understand what's going on in the market. So it creates a little bit more anxiety and it can come across the wrong way. So have your inner circle that you can vent to, that you can just just share the, you know, listen to this crap, listen to what I have to deal with. But then, you know, after that inner circle, go out and, and put your best foot forward, but make sure that it's your, your authentic self. And that's when you're going to find the right, the right fit. I've, I've said this uh, a couple of times. I've talked with people that are like, oh, you know, I've got this new job and I don't really like it. And I said, you know, if you do a postmortem, were you your authentic self during that interview process? Or did you try to tell them things that you thought they wanted to hear? And maybe they hired somebody that, that was different than who you are. And so you're just in the wrong role. And so easier said than done, but, um, you know, I always true back to that. And that's, that's who I try to be in every conversation I have with a, a potential employer or just somebody that I'm, I'm, you know, networking with is I just try to be myself. That's great. That's great. Cool. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's absolutely critical. That first issue is finding a support system. You, everyone needs one. And, and so fundamentally that's the starting point. Uh, it's part of your network, it's your family, it's a variety of different kinds of things, but you got to have it. The second thing is to game the system a little bit. There is, there is a need on the part of any recruiter who in fact has an opening for a recruiter that if they see 2,000 people have applied, but, but 10 of them came through an internal referral from a somebody inside the company, they're going to open that. They need to, they have to because they don't know who the hell it came from, if only that. And that does increase the likelihood of getting up to bat. So getting up to bat is that metric you want, obviously, more often than not. Um, and and the, third, the third issue is building a network. I believe that if you, if you actually research the companies you would like to work for, you're asking yourself some good questions about where do I go next and why, and you got to know why you would you would do that, and then you you're all sourcers, so you can all identify the contact information of the head of TA for those fifteen or 25, 15 to twenty five companies, and invent some stupid but interesting idea of 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 what's keeping people up at night. Contact all twenty five and say, hey. I would like to interview you for 15 minutes to get your take on this issue. I plan to publish it. I'm going to tell you 15 of them are going to say yes. You'll be able to engage at least 15 heads of TA, put that shit together, 
you know, get a quote for each one, send it back to them and say, do you need a PR release or a legal release oh in order for me to make you look good? And then you're going to get that back, publish the goddamn thing, even if you have to just do a podcast with us. We'll help you. Jerry's strategy to find employment is oh, running. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's the thing about this. One, you're improving your brand. Two, you know, and you could get ChatGPT to write it for you. Who the hell cares? But the point is, you've got, you're going to be improving yeah. your brand. You're going to be you're going to be making friends of all these 15 guys and gals who you just made look good. And they're going to take another call with you in which you can talk a little bit more about where you want to go. Um, and if you do have a if you do get up to bat at another company, you can drop the fact that you've just been hanging out with 15 really cool people. I'm just telling you. There's two there's two two things that come to mind. One, one, please proofread your chat GPT written book before you for anybody who's played in that space. I too, I too am reading the AI recruiter. There you go. But then the second one is now maybe you have some insight into maybe where CXR came from. I believe we were a series of books before we were a community. <laughs> we sold a shitload of them, those books, for sure. Uh, love it. All right, love so it. look, let's let's do it this way, guys. Michael, I'll start with you. You're on the top left. We're going to give each of you just a quick minute. I want to call this out really quick, but before I do, uh, we're going to give each a quick minute. Just tell us what's going on and what what what's your next perfect role. Be your authentic self. Take your, take your own advice. What's your next yeah. perfect role look like? Before I do, Michael, anybody listening, uh, and I'm going to have it on the screen. Michael's LinkedIn profile. It's LinkedIn.com/in/slash/Michael. 411. For those of us old enough to remember what 411 is, uh, I'm not even sure if that works on a mobile. I have no idea. But so, Michael, <laughs> this camera, this camera, this camera, we know where that's a hat tip to. Uh, tell us what's going on. What would be ideally next for you? Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, did, I uh, got that URL back when 411 was very popular and people understood what that meant. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I still have a lot to give back. And, and I still want to give so much back to this um, this industry. I um, I stumbled into recruiting the staffing agency side back when I graduated, and I uh, was so fortunate that I found my passion. I found something that um, just ignited me and, and brought out the best in me. Um, when I brought when I brought my skills over to corporate, I realized that I could bring the sense of urgency, the building relationships, the problem solving, all of that I that I learned on the staffing agency side, I could bring to corporate America and help add value and um, and and just be a an instrumental part of the the company strategy. And so, you know, I, I still have a lot to give back. I'm a like I said, I'm a coach, a developer of people. I care about people. I want to help. And so, you know, I I'm just looking for a place that is mission driven, that cares and invests in people um, and gives me an opportunity to add value and, and to give back. And so, you know, one of the, the, the best things about being in this industry for so long is I've seen, I've gone through the ebbs and flows and I've seen, you know, the dot com and the, the, the mortgage collapse. And, you know, I've been through some shit and um, I've learned a ton and I want to be able to give back. Um, that learning. And so my next role hopefully will be one where I can just do just that and uh, work with some great people and collaborate. All right. I love it. Uh, fun, uh, fun, fun, random fact. My very first corporate recruiting job was hiring the operators that answered the 411 
I'm very, I'm very, very familiar with that process. So, so, all right. So Peter, uh, you're up, man. Like, tell us what's got, what you got going on. What is, uh, your next ideal role going to look like for you? Well, uh, I'm really passionate about process improvement. I'm really passionate about candidate experience. Um, can't top what Michael just said, but I, I really am uh, it, it really on top of that. Uh, my next role, it would be in an operations, um, just uh, in an operations capacity, capacity, possibly uh, evaluating your tech stack, uh, ensuring that you have everything configured correctly for the most optimal candidate experience, as well as being able to help your recruiters uh, manage their workload and also the hiring managers managing their um, their um, their, their resource needs. So, uh, and also a company that uh, does value a uh, work-life balance uh, for candidates and, and also um, Oh, is it just me? Nope. Uh, I thought it was me. Oh no. Oh no. We lost him. <laughs> All right, we'll give we'll give him just a second to come back. Might have had a little internet uh, issue there, but let's. I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, I've got it on the screen, although it is sitting on top of uh, it's sitting on top of Michael. But it is <laughs> LinkedIn.com/slash/in/slash/PeterDiaz. P-E-T-E-R-D-I-A-Z. For those of you who are listening, Peter Diaz. Uh, I'll take that off. We'll give him just a second to come back. Uh, Jerry, anything you want to add before we wrap up? No. <laughs> we said it all. It, is it too early for wine? Oh, can't yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's never too early for wine. All no, right, I, you know, I I love the fact that you know part of our community is that we're all you know about trying to pay it forward a little bit. Uh, we've all been there. We know what we know what it's like. Uh, I've had my own experiences uh, looking for jobs. Uh, thank God the last 30 years I haven't had to do that. I just burn out my partners. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably retire before he does. That's that's. <laughs> but but <clears throat> but it is it, this is an interesting time. I do think there's a lot of learning going on out there. And I do think uh, as things get better, uh, we're going to see some, as you pointed out, Chris, some hopefully uh, bigger, <laughs> bigger movement uh, toward uh, toward a positive 21st century recruiting. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And I did look, there are a lot of great TA leaders out there. We, we know hundreds of amazing TA leaders, but there are thousands out there that are looking uh, if, you know, Take a look. Look at the skills. You know, that's, that would be my big takeaway is look at the history. Look at the skills. The GPA is redonkulous at a senior leadership level. Uh, so shame on you if your organization is requiring that. It's just dumb. Uh, take a look at connect with these folks. And Michael, I think to your earlier point, it, it is a matter of asking them what's going on in their space and, and connecting with them before you say, here's a little yeah. bit of homework. Show us what you got. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good stuff, gentlemen. Uh, we will keep everybody posted on both of your status. Uh, and I guess we will, I guess we're going to see you at the upcoming lecture. So we'll, we'll see you when we see you there, Michael. That'd be great. Awesome. All right. Everybody. Thanks guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, have a great rest of your week. We'll, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.